0: Welcome to the Parent Advocate Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Chikumba. My pronouns are he, him, and his. And I'm joined once again by my incomparable co-host, Lisette Trujillo.
1: Hello, everyone. Lisette here. She, her, aya. Happy to be with you again.
0: Lisette, it is episode 20. And I think we're going to change it up a little today.
1: Okay. 20 is like a milestone. What do you have in mind?
0: There's just been so much going on. So instead of having an interview today, instead of us like, talking about our guests and what they're going through let's just do like hot takes on things that are happening in the world no interview let's just get into it
1: so basically we're gonna share our text thread in a podcast episode i love this let's do it all
0: right so welcome everyone once again to the parent advocate podcast let's get started all right i I may have been a little overzealous With calling that audible. I I do actually want to know what's been going on and what you've been up to, but in an abbreviated fashion, tell me about one thing that's happened to you since the last time we were together.
1: I'm moving, so I've lost my mind in like the best way. Like, not, I haven't been popping off on people, but like, I've forgotten every other responsibility I have in life, you know? Like, I'm like, oh, I have a a real life. I don't have to just move.
0: I'm not just in and out of boxes. What is this about?
1: You mean, you mean my washer dryer getting delivered totally affected a meeting I had, you know, those things. The Samsung dishwasher guy was like listening to my ACLU meeting, like, perfect, wonderful.
0: (laughs) And isn't that always the way life doesn't stop when you have contractors, when you have to move or when you have a delivery. And so you find yourself multitasking, even though that's not a thing, in the strangest places. At the strangest times with strangers all up in your cut. That must have been really fun.
1: Yeah, I was like, sorry, I'm in a meeting. But like he was like hand gesturing to me that it was ready. (laughs) I think it's working now. I was like, oh, okay, perfect. Thank you. I get tell the lawyers to hold on. <laughs> I get the
0: subtle knock on my door because I keep my door closed with a little do not disturb sign on the doorknob. And so whenever contractors are working, they'll they'll hear what's happening and they're like really timid about interrupting. And I'm like, it's fine, come in.
1: Okay, so what have you been up to? Quickly, let's hear.
0: Okay, so the biggest thing that happened is that Isha, Sonia, and I had a presentation approved. For the Black Psychiatrists of America's annual conference. And this one is the Transcultural Conference 2023. The theme of this conference is Decolonization of the Mind Manifestations, Lessons, and Transcendence. Our presentation is essentially gonna be about parenting Black transgender children and how that connects with society's traditional views about transgender people, gender identity, and parenting. And really how the process of decolonization can bring about a more inclusive and supportive environment for trans children and their families.
1: I'm obsessed with this. I'm like so excited for y'all. This is going to be really good.
0: So an interesting thing that just came to my attention, care of my co-host, is that we're doing a talk about gender identity in a country that routinely arrests people who are not heteronormative individuals.
1: Yeah, when he told me where, I was like, oh. Yeah, I like, we're going to be in Ocho yeah. Rios,
0: Jamaica, where the concept of a Bati boy is prevalent in a lot of their music and clearly in their culture, where they're really not tolerant of LGBTQ plus people. No. So that's going to be really interesting, especially at a conference that's talking about decolonization of the mind.
1: It's so interesting. I was on the phone with my youngest sibling yesterday and- she was telling me that she and her wife want to travel more, but like there's certain places they can't go. Right. And so Jamaica came up and she was like, I was on TikTok watching, you know, someone share that they were arrested in Jamaica for being there with their spouse on vacation. And so, you know, the realities of travel for queer people is like limited and scary, right? And so I think it's just, it's unfortunate. And that's why I was like, don't wear any of our t-shirts. You and I are like mad for like public statement t-shirts. And so I was like, don't do it. Don't pack those.
0: So I'm curious because I am straight, cisgender, black male. If I wore a shirt supporting members of marginalized community, does that put me at the same risk as if I was a member of that community? Just and I'm I'm, I'm saying, like, I'm curious because I do think there is something to be said about standing in solidarity with communities who may not necessarily be able to be out and proud themselves in certain spaces.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's something to consider. I mean, you would probably be in the safety of a resort. I don't know. It's something to talk about. Yeah, I also I, don't want you to get arrested in another country. Well, I'm like, you know, where, where's the American consulate?
0: <laughs> a... I got a Nigerian passport and an American passport. So I'm trying to find one of them. You know, like, come and get me (laughs) out of this hole. But yeah, I mean, it's just, we'll see. Obviously, I'm going to be cautious because nobody wants to be in jail in a foreign country. I think they have like a television show about being jailed abroad. I don't want to be in one of those episodes. I hear you. I'm with you. It makes me mad that I even have to consider not being supportive. But the reality is some places simply Uh, aren't safe. And flaunting the law doesn't really accomplish much.
1: I don't feel like it's going to be an Aesop Rocky situation. You know, <laughs> like I feel like he was in Sweden. I feel like Jamaica would feel a little different. Different,
0: <laughs> a little different. You know, I don't want to don't wanna have to be with Nicole
1: trying to get Biden to get you out.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that that's like a fool's errand, really, if we think about <laughs> it. If we really. Jose is
1: laughing back here. He would help me too. It would be me, Jose, and Cole. We would be we'd be Pharrell's trying to get you back on a boat. <laughs> I, we would do what we can, Pharrells.
0: <laughs> all right, all right. So we said we weren't gonna spend too much time on us because we got to do these hot takes. So let's get into it.
1: Okay, I'm ready.
0: All right, so. The first thing I really want to talk about, honestly, this has been like one of those things that I said in our text thread, a judge dismissed a lawsuit, seven sorority sisters of the Kappa Kappa Gamma sorority who were upset that their organization admitted a transgender woman to their sorority.
1: And then those seven sisters were upset that their names were released and that they weren't allowed to be anonymous in their statements so
0: so they fucked around
1: and then they found out out... (laughs) (laughs) and then the judge said sorry she's your sister i'm not sorry she's your sister
0: and so the thing that's so crazy about this is that in order for her to become a member they took a vote and she was overwhelmingly voted in to the sorority so i'm really curious as to where these seven sisters were when that vote was taken, and do they understand how votes
1: work? I mean, sorority life. Did I ever tell you that one of our founding members blocked me on Facebook? No. Do they- <laughs> I was like, damn, one of my founders. <laughs> she blocked me on Facebook because she's like a huge Trumper. It was in the middle of like all this political chaos, and I was very outspoken and supportive of my LGBTQIA siblings. Like, it just is what it is. I can guarantee you that those seven members of Kappa Kappa Gamma were probably supported and pushed by their parents who were like, what and probably by a few alumni and all of them were reminded of their like non-discrimination and inclusion policies probably. I think I think it's been really interesting to see how affinity groups on campuses have had to reckon with becoming more diverse and aware in the ways in which their membership process works.
0: One of the reasons that I want to reach out to the Divine Nine, specifically to my my fraternal organization, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, is because I want us to not be grappling with this issue. I want there to be a national policy of inclusion that comes from the very top. And makes its way to all the chapters such that if and when we find ourselves in a situation where a transgender member is attempting to become a brother of our organization, that we have a policy in place that says, yes, you can become a member. We do not cut to discrimination. We will not exclude people because of how they identify. I think that's very important because I think we also run into the same issue when we're thinking about, uh, you know, gay members of our organization, you know, because I can remember a time that was a big deal. Like if you saw a gay person in para, you had, you felt some kind of way, you felt some kind of way about seeing a gay man rocking your colors. And I would see memes all the time where different fraternal organizations would make fun of other fraternal organizations if they saw a gay person rocking their paraphernalia. And it would be this whole thing. And it was, You know, back then, I didn't think anything of it. Now, I'm just like, how ashamed am I for having engaged and condoned that behavior at the time? Because so what? Like, so what? I watched this episode of, like, some podcast with Joe Budden, where Joe Budden was clowning, um, I can't remember the the basketball player's name. I want to say it was Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard was exchanging, like, dick pics. With some, some dude, and they were having you know a flirty conversation via text message. And somehow Joe Budden got screenshots of this and was clowning Dwight Howard and clowning other people who were either you know seen with trans women or dating trans women or expressed a preference for trans women, and somehow Joe Budden felt like it's okay to make fun of Demean and question these men because they're engaged in sus behavior simp behavior all of these pejoratives around sexual preference and identity as if somehow it makes a person less of a person because of who they love or who they're attracted to and how they get down in those spaces like what does that have to do with you joe budden failed rapper
1: did joe budden forget that his baby mama since santana is queer
0: it doesn't i mean again People have no problem. People have no problem calling out other people, and not looking at their own situations and hypocrisy. Of know
1: Sin Santana from her relationship with Erica Mena, I do love watching Love and Hip Hop. So, I've taken it it there. there. (laughs) Um, But uh, (laughs) why is Joe Budden stepping in? Because he was like this is what's very interesting with the way the patriarchy works right they rock with the lesbianism but like don't rock with gay people trans people like it's such a sexualization of women a continued sexualization of women but like it's just very interesting i knew gay people in my sorority and in fraternities that were connected to our organization i will say that i'm like really i'm proud of our or of the of my sorority in that There was a whole like Gen Z youth uprising where they rewrote policy to be inclusive. I have sorority siblings who've transitioned. I sent an apology email to one of my sorority siblings being like, I'm sorry. Like, I I am so sorry that I wasn't a support to you 20 years ago. Right. Because they've transitioned now. And I didn't know. And I was like, if you, I I found you on Facebook, I would love to be connected. I want to apologize for like not having been an ally to you all those years ago or an ally to myself or like an ally to all these other people. The ways in which people got outed in organizations in the late nineties, early two thousands was horrible. And so like, I, I look back now and I think about all the ways in which I need to show up today in a different way. I think that Joe Budden making those comments, it just shows the hypocrisy of our own communities and the ways in which we harm each other. But you're right. There's more to do.
0: Yeah, there's more to do. There's more to do. And there's more of this episode. So let's keep going. The next thing that I wanted to talk about was this shooting at Nudieland in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Two people were shot. One person was killed. There's like six people injured at this queer punk event it just speaks to the increased violence that is being directed towards the lgbtq plus community by people who have an avowed hatred towards this community
1: yeah it's so funny and the fact that it was promoted as a safe space and targeted daniel loves going to concerts he's been going a lot with his friends and just the description of that, like I, I dropped him off last weekend at a community center where there was a bunch of bands playing and it was predominantly queer. And Jose and I were like relieved. We were like, okay, you're going to be in a safe space. And now I read that and I'm just like, what does that mean? And dropping off my kid at a concert. I mean, he's not a kid. He's 16, right? But like, he's I mean, he's kid. still a kid, but, a like, kid. But, like, but like he should be able to go to shows and he should be able to enjoy himself with his friends without the fear of being shot. And at the same time, he goes to school and still has to do active shooter drills. So this is part of their existence in like a deeply traumatic way.
0: We've got to talk about Jacksonville because mm-hmm. what happened at New is the same thing that happened at Jacksonville. Yes. You have people like, mind you, the shooter in Jacksonville, he was turned away from an HBCU first. Thank God for the security outside of that college because but for them turning this individual away, he would have shot college students. And it's not to say that it's any better that he He shot people at the store. It's not to say that it's any better that these, these kids at this punk rock concert were shot. But it's like, this is what happens when this hateful rhetoric becomes part of the fabric, the everyday fabric of life where people are just numb and anesthetized to it. And so they don't think, hmm, This speech is hate speech. This speech incites people to violence. Like every day we're hearing about some politician, some election official getting death threats. Some people actively taking steps to get guns and armaments and store them and make active threats to our president, to our vice president, to judges, to prosecutors. It's abnormal. It's wrong. And yet it continues. And no one seems to really take issue. Like the the gun lobby, the NRA lobby is as strong as ever. After every single shooting, you have these politicians doubling and tripling down that the issue is not gun laws. It's we don't have enough guns. As if that makes any sense.
1: White supremacy can only exist in violence. Absolutely. And that's the reality. And nobody wants to be honest about that, right? Like every... Anti-LGBTQ rhetoric, anti-Black rhetoric, anti-immigrant rhetoric, its root is white supremacy. It's all tied to white supremacy and white supremacy cannot exist, cannot continue without it being violent, innately violent.
0: I saw this TikTok, interestingly Mm. enough. And just a side note, people (laughs) are sleeping on TikTok. TikTok has a TikTok university where you can go on and you can get information and education from top scholars in the United States. There's linguists, Harvard linguists with channels on TikTok giving you the breakdown behind AAVE and how different dialects and different ways of speaking throughout this country are just as correct as the Queen's English because there are rules that all of these different dialects follow which makes them proper. And that's how a language is defined by the speaker and the receiver being able to understand the words and the cadence and the, you know, vocabulary actually used to communicate. That is what makes a language effective. And you have people like, oh, he, he doesn't speak well, blah, blah. No, you don't know what you're talking about. So that was a complete digression. However, the point is that This one TikToker was talking about the origins of white supremacy, because, of course, white people love to document their shit. And so you actually have the actual written history of the origins of whiteness and blackness. And so when people think about white supremacy and we're the chosen people in an Aryan Nation and blah, 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 fucking blah. No, dummy. Because you are dumb and don't know your history, because you don't know how to think critically, because you don't know how to do research, because you don't know there's origin sources for the things you think today that aren't from today, that have a historical root that informs whether or not the thing you think is legitimate and real or not, that so many people are just going along to get along, not recognizing that they're all sheep, just being led by very powerful, rich white people yeah. who've had an agenda yeah. for like eight decades we're not talking about today we're talking about 80 years ago folks were like if we want to preserve what we have today we've got to keep the people as sheep we have to keep people at odds with one another we have to have one group hating another group hating another group hating another group and while they're all fighting down here in the pit we sit in our lofty ivory towers aggrandizing wealth and accumulating power That allows us to stay at these lofty heights forever, period.
1: Yes. Yes. A thousand percent. It's crazy. I had a parent telling other white parents, this is somebody who sees themselves as very progressive, but clearly wasn't paying attention to what they were saying. Was really upset that his closest friends were going to vote for Trump again. And I was like, oh, why? And, you know, it was like, you know, obviously it was, what was it? 2020. We were at the election cycle. Um, and he was like, this was his quote. They are afraid that black people will do to them what we've done to black people. And I was like, damn, I was like, that's just more about your friend. Yeah. That's just more about your friends than it does about black people. And here, let me tell you why, if we're talking about black lives matter and the marches that were happening, what was it that they were doing? Mutual aid work. It was in the middle of the pandemic, water stations, nursing stations, handing out masks, handing out hand sanitizer, like making sure that they had people standing in the peripherals that would protect the people in the crowds. There there was a deliberate need to care for the people who were showing up in those moments. And it's what we continue to see throughout history. Who started the public education system? Black Panthers. Who started public health care?
0: Right. You're talking about organizations that were community-based organizations who were looking out for the people in the community on the ground. They were not thinking about toppling the ivory tower. They were making sure that the people in the neighborhood
1: had food to eat. Had well, and the public education the system, right, was created by Black communities yep. that, that, that had organized This was you're talking like it was a Jim Crow South when you started seeing school, like public schools, like volunteered schools prop up. My dad told me not too long ago, my dad's like when the Brown Berets would come to the neighborhood, it was about accessing education. It was about educating each other. It was about taking care of each other. And so now there's such a different narrative around mutual aid and like social democratic structures. If it benefits black and brown people, white people are like communism. No, No. right? But like they help each other out. And so (laughs) you know.
0: Let's not talk about All the investigations that are now happening now that we're kind of past the pandemic and all those PPP funds that people got and thought they could just buy their Maseratis with. And now that the chickens are coming home to roost. And I'm like, did you really think that your whiteness would protect you? Like people were mad at Brett Favre. Don't know Brett Favre is under investigation. Don't recognize it. The the
1: football player? The football
0: player who got all that money, who thought, who said he was doing it for these altruistic purposes, was just lying in his pocket. He is now under investigation. Just like all those other crackers who took the money from the government thinking, oh, I got a free check. I got a blank check from the government. I don't have to pay it back. I don't have to do what the government says this money is intended for. I could just buy my Maserati. And there's a lot of Maserati millionaires who got that PPP money is going to find themselves wearing orange jumpsuits. Trust needless
1: and believe. To, needless to say, I'm not friends with that parent anymore. Um but like, yeah, I was like, mm-mm. And and I, but I also think that this is the this is the realities of like why we can't progress as a nation. Because when you have those deeper conversations around people having to deconstruct their comfort, right? It's they're gonna choose comfort over the actual Every work that has time. I have to look. I have to do inside work all the time. Do I fuck up? Absolutely. And then we apologize and we become better people. But a lot of people don't want to do that work. And that's why white supremacy wins every time. Because people are not willing to do that, that level of discomfort and then they call the violence something else. They make it yes. sound like it's isolated as opposed to what it really is. It, it serves a function in this structure. I and mean, so-
0: it's- there's a reason that they have not allowed the gun deaths to be counted,
1: mm-hmm. where they
0: will not allow a study on gun violence in the United States. There's no congressional impaneled study on gun mm-hmm. violence because they don't want people to have the facts. They don't want to be able to see all of the ways in which guns have created this whole population of dead people yeah. in this country. Like they don't want to know that, so they don't. And the NRA is very effective at lobbying against those types of common sense things. Absolutely. But again, we got topics, okay. we got topics, we got topics. So a federal judge issued an injunction in Georgia that restored health care for transgender children in that state.
1: I'm really happy for the folks in Georgia. Like I'm, I'm really happy they're able to access care. It's yeah. medically necessary.
0: Judge Sarah Garrity determined that it was substantially likely that the plaintiffs would be successful in striking down SB 140 as unconstitutional. And so she prohibited the state from enforcing the ban on hormone therapy for the treatment of gender dysphoria in adolescents pending a decision on the merits of the case, which is just amazing because once again, you have people fighting against something that has been enshrined in pediatric medical practice. For decades, you know, the treatment for gender dysphoria is on the heels of the treatment for precocious puberty. And so when people say it's not safe, it's safe because it wasn't made for transgender children. It was made for children Mm -hmm. suffering a particular medical issue, which is called precocious puberty. And so a puberty blocker, which prevents the premature development of the reproductive system in children and it delays it until it's appropriate for where they are chronologically, it does the same thing. Whether you're cisgender or transgender, it just delays something that if you want to occur, will occur. If you want to delay it's occurring, you'll delay it's occurring. If you don't want it to occur, it's going to prevent it from occurring until you can do other interventions that will allow that person to be who they want to be,
1: period. Yep. And not only that, but the newest argument is that it's not FDA approved. It's off-label. The reality is, is that something like 80% of medications given by pediatricians to children are off-label. The process for FDA, for FDA approval is a long one that often not all medications go through. So this whole idea of like off-label care when you have decades of proof is just them pulling at strings.
0: There is an organization. I think it's called the American Pediatric Society, something APC, APS, or something like that. That's got like seven hundred members. That and then all... you have the American, uh, the the American Association of Pediatrics, yeah. which has sixty seven thousand members. Yeah. And so when you go to court and you have the APS going against the AAP your little 700 member organization versus 67,000 member organization. And you have courts saying that there is some disagreement in the medical industry. No, that's not no. a disagreement. That's, that's a minority, a fringe minority going against the grain. And how do you give a fringe minority the same credence that you give the entire organization, the entire body of medical professionals who think and see a particular way, who have developed actual tested peer-reviewed strategies for addressing any particular medical condition and i'm saying any particular medical condition because every single thing that doctors do goes through this rigorous process because before it becomes a standard that is applied to the entire profession and so gender-affirming care went through that mm-hmm. WPATH gave those standards for doctors to follow which has continued to be assessed and vetted and assessed and vetted to make sure that we're engaged in the most up-to-date, modern, tested, validated processes for treating children. Mm -hmm. And so it's good when judges aren't politically motivated, aren't towing the party line and are actually capable of thinking critically about what they're being told, what the parties before them are saying.
1: Of holding their oath, right? To okay. not be politically m- motivated. But then we also have what happened in Texas, which they've allowed the ban to go into effect.
0: And that's and what I'm so, saying. Yeah. I have judges who are partisan, you know, yep. who are listening to the fringe and not the majority. Because again, it's like, how do you decide anything? It's based on the weight of the evidence presented before you. And the weight of the evidence does not make the two arguments the same. One argument is grounded in actual history and facts and data that can be supplanted and supplemented many times over. And the other is just conjecture and opinion and feeling that is not supported by any weight that is credible in the United States. Because when people start talking about what people are doing in Europe as the basis for what we should be doing in the United States, since when has that been the standard? Since when was what other people do in other countries, the standard for what we do in the United States. I think we left Britain. We crossed the pond to get away from being told what to do. And somehow the separation of church and state is no longer a thing. People are trying to build a Christian state, yeah, you know, under God, like one nation under God. Nope, it's not one nation under God. That's that's bullshit.
1: That's some shit y'all making up. That's some shit that was out in the 1950s. (laughs)
0: That's some shit y'all making up. And that people are, it's like people like, oh, why don't you salute the flag? And why don't you stand for the, do you know the second stanza? Like, do you know what they're saying about Black people? Mm -hmm. in This freaking thing you want me to sing? Hold my hand over my chest for, are you kidding me? I'm not going to do it. But most people don't know the second stanza. Most people don't know about talking about killing Black people in this damn, go sit down.
1: Yeah, because it's been delicately removed right? Like, oh, yeah. we're just going to like hide this thing. And yet it's still such a like a, a major part of our structure. I hear this a lot in different parent communities. Like if we need to, we will go to a better state, a different state. These are people that are able to privilege to, but I need parents to understand that while they sat back and watched these 600 bills fly through our country, this last ledge session, those 600 bills that of them have medical bans, those medical bans will go all the way to the Supreme Court and it will be ruled on by a conservative court, a, a conservative SCOTUS, and it will impact all of us everywhere across this country. Yep. So this idea of moving and fleeing will not be a possibility for anyone. So, I mean, that
0: that actually brings up to, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about, and that is okay. the departure Of medical professionals from certain states because of these anti-LGBTQ plus laws, because of these anti-trans laws, because of these anti-abortion laws, driving medical professionals out of the state. And you're not driving away mutilators of children. You're driving away pediatric care doctors. You're driving away OBGYNs. You're driving away, in this instance of this Louisiana doctor. A pediatric cardiologist the only one in the state of louisiana has left the state there will be no person in the state capable of providing pediatric heart transplants in louisiana because of that state's anti-lgbtq plus and anti-trans laws full stop that is happening in states across the country where people with specific Medical expertise are no longer available to the citizens of that state because of that state's laws. And people don't think about it because they're like, oh, well, I don't have any trans children, and people shouldn't be mutilating children. Lisette, if I hear another motherfucker talk about castrating children as if that's a fucking thing, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm gonna lose my mind. People like are you you're okay with castrating children? You're a creep. I'm not okay with castrating children. I'm not okay with that.
1: And also, that's not what's happening.
0: Because that's not what's happening. That is why I'm not okay with it. Because it's not what's happening. Okay? If you ignoramuses knew anything about transgender children, if you understood the diagnosis of gender dysphoria, you would understand that what we're talking about is making sure this person feels whole. Mm-hmm. They're not whole because they're cutting off healthy parts of their body, you fucking
1: idiots. But this is where I go back to white supremacy in the sense that, like, if you can reduce people to their body parts... I mean, if you can reduce people to their body parts, then you no longer see a whole human. And that is why these bills were created. Accessing care, you got to talk about bodies. Playing sports, you got to talk about bodies. Going to the bathroom, you have to talk about bodies. And so if you can reduce people to how they use their bodies, what their bodies need. You don't have to see a whole human being and you can harm them. That's how bias seeps into all of us. And I think too, what's really frustrating about how we are dealing with this in the courts, because we're having to deal with this in the courts, is that it still does not mean liberation for trans, for trans people, right? What I would love to see in the future is the ability and the freedom to self-identify? People forget that WPATH, while now it has a transgender president, has been run for decades by cis people who have gate right. access to care from transgender right. people.
0: Right, right.
1: And like, so you see countries like Germany, like Spain made self-identification available to transgender people that means that they don't have to go through the gatekeeping process that means that they are free to say i know who i am and Mm -hmm. i am transgender and it uh, opens their world up in a way that allows them to change their identity documents to get access to care and like we are so far behind from that because the far right has been so effective in the ways in which they lie to people about what social transition is for youth and what medical care looks like as adolescents and then what it looks like as young adult, It's not this like one specific thing. So it's really frustrating.
0: And what's so crazy, Lisette, is that people have been falling for the bullshit, hook, line, and sinker. When they're talking about why trans women should not be able to use the bathroom with cis women. It's because they ascribe all this nefarious intent to trans women. When the reality is that the people they should be afraid of are already harming women and children. Mm-hmm. There's a there's an, a, a trans attorney, her name is Kristen Brody. And since February of this year, she has been tracking all of the individuals that been have been arrested for crimes against children in the United States. And to date, since February of this year, there have been like 2,250 arrests for crimes against children. And she's been tracking who's been doing the crimes. And of the 2,250 that she's tracked to date, only three, only three have involved trans people. The entire rest have been priests, Yep. And people in the religious industry have been police and people in law enforcement have been coaches, have been teachers, have been family and friends and neighbors. People have not had authority. Full drag queen in that number in the entire year. So, this campaign against trans women. And drag queens as the target for all of this legislation when the people doing the crimes are your priests, your police. There have been like 20 something Republican politicians, 20 <laughs> something Republican politicians, elected officials, the people who have been going so hard to demonize trans people. These are the people who are being arrested for crimes against children in the United States, 2000 plus this year alone since February. And three, Have been trans. And so you're over indexing on creating safe spaces and protecting women and children from trans people when you should be protecting them from white cis males because those are the ones doing the crime. And we know it because we have the statistics. We know who's doing it. The Catholic Church is going bankrupt over this shit. And yet I don't see a single piece of legislation regulating the Catholic church, regulating any dioceses, regulating the ability for Catholics to be around, priests to be around children, regulating spaces that children and priests can be together unsupervised. You're not doing any of that. You're not doing any of that. So what is this protecting children when the actual people that are harming them are walking around in plain sight and nothing's being done? It's such hypocrisy. It just boggles the mind.
1: Perpetrators know, and violent people know to put themselves in positions of power. That's how they gain access to people that they want to harm. And we haven't learned our lessons. And people look a, look the hard. other way. I mean, the the abuse in the Catholic Church is so profound and so well documented, right? Like there is so movies. In my city alone, they lost $66 million in what they had to pay back to people that they abused. The fact that there's so much documentation, the fact that there are court cases that these victims have won, the fact that the Pope, this current Pope, put out a report talking about the violence that was enacted against nuns by priests, right? Like there's an, there is an admittance to this violence. And people continue to look away for whatever dogma or like faith that they believe in. And and the reality is, is that, and I think what you and I at the end of the day, when we're ta- we're talking about really big issues, right? We're talking about white supremacy. We're talking about bans on bodies and access to healthcare when all people should have agency and ownership of their bodies. Absolutely. We're talking about like these huge meaty meaty things, right? Like, The reality is that the core is that you and I have had the experience of loving someone so deeply through their transition and learning from them and seeing them, seeing their spirit beyond their body and loving them so deeply that it has made it impossible for us as parents to turn away from the injustices we encounter Absolutely. in the world i think a lot of times we're dishonest with ourselves as bipoc people in the sense that like i i think i shared this with you once like we're able to we're able to mitigate the discrimination against us and our ourselves like and i think we've made concessions like okay i know that i exist in this structure and so like what do i need to do to succeed in it right? I, I think p- communities of color individuals, we do this. Like, how do I'm going to, I can mitigate this for myself. But when it becomes about our children, these people we created and have promised to protect and love fearlessly, we're like, oh, hell no. You don't we're need to mitigate now. that. That's no not blurring. for you. Yeah. That's I right. mitigated and I mitigated and made those concessions and those sacrifices so you wouldn't have to. Because we were told that in time, our children wouldn't have to deal with this shit. Yep. And then here they're dealing with it even more. So
0: let me ask you about this then, because I, I don't disagree with you, but then you have people who, who don't know what they're talking about, who have a public platform, who state their ignorance with their full chest, with their full throat, and then have to backtrack. I'm talking about, Alice Cooper. I'm talking about Carla Santana. I'm talking about Neo. I'm talking about people who have taken to saying what they think about children, trans children, trans children and their parents, trans children and their families, about what's appropriate care for those people, and alienating large groups of people in the process and then apologizing for the things that they said. Like, you I don't accept that. I I don't accept that. I, I just, it just bothers me immensely. You know, well, Alice Cooper takes either. to the airwaves to say some crazy shit. Carla Santana takes to the airwaves to say some crazy shit. Neo takes to the airwaves. So to- there's so many different musicians who are just stating their opinion without knowing trans people, trans children, anything about what they medically go through, but have an opinion. That's
1: but That's what me. I'm saying. Like pe- we've been conditioned to believe that bigotry is okay or that it's just a part of our lives and we have to learn how to mitigate and work around it. And so like Santana, Alice Cooper, Neil, they're not saying anything that they weren't conditioned to believe is okay, right? Like now they're just saying it out loud. And so when people look away from the violence that religious institutions enact on the people who participate and the most vulnerable, it's because they've been conditioned to believe that it's okay. That, that that it's that it's part it's a concession we make and and this is where i tell people we're not looking at it from the right lens we shouldn't have to have a, a movement of people who need to prove their worthiness and their humanity in order for them to gain some level of equality that's backwards it should be given ahead of, of time and of so you have santana spewing religious rhetoric that's like bullshit like all the and then being like i'm sorry but the reality is is that we have normalized this dance we've normalized it and we've glorified it we we've normalized people needing to be brutalized and beaten before they're given their rights like look at selma right 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 there there is
0: showing that on camera televised to the nation before people like oh my god what are we doing? That's the military. That's the police beating and brutalizing and sticking dogs on people who were fucking
1: walking across the bridge. Or people forget that we still have kids in detention that were separated from their families because now we have a democratic president. Like we've normalized what's acceptable when it comes to bigotry, when it comes to discrimination. And we've normalized a process by which people have to prove their worthiness before they can get there. And even then, we still see bigotry. That's why public schools are at the core of this debate because public schools are community centers. Yep. And so if you have a democratized and inclusive, diverse public school where everyone's together, those children will grow up understanding diversity and their biases will diminish just through proximity. That's why they want segregated school systems.
0: That's also- They want to keep us apart for that. Right, but that's also why they're trying to change these trans-inclusive policies. That's why you have the Moms for Liberty, you know, putting plants on these school boards, getting them elected so that they can start to sow discontent and they can start sowing those seeds of discrimination and racism and bias in these spaces Mm -hmm. and places where they shouldn't be. These book bans, like, are we- Like, is this Fahrenheit nine eleven? Is this what's happening? We're burning books. We're banning books. We're trying to, like, gatekeep what goes into your head. Like, I'm sorry. You may not feel that certain books are appropriate for children. Okay, well, those children probably shouldn't take out the books, but the books shouldn't be banned. They shouldn't not exist. They shouldn't be available because there are other students who are precocious and intelligent and who have parents who've given them the appropriate guidance and information and knowledge about literature. So we're talking about, we're talking about words in a page and we're not talking about indoctrination and ideology. We're talking about education. If you want your child to do well on an SAT or an ACT exam, you know what? You're probably going to want them to have as many books in their brain as possible. You're going to want to have them to have a deep lexicon. You're going to want to have them to know multiple authors and multiple subjects and multiple topics and multiple genres. And you're not going to want them to be this monolithic, oh, I read the Bible, the fake made up change multiple times, multiple versions, not in the original language, not interpreted correctly. Bible, if that's what you're fucking talking about, because Mm -hmm. there's more to life than one book, the good book, as it were. And -hmm. everybody doesn't believe in your Christian God. Mm -hmm. You know, like, that's not a thing. We are not a monolith. And the fact that you're trying to create monolithic policies for diverse populations doesn't make any sense. And the fact that Mm -hmm. parents are not critical enough to think about how they're harming their children by these policies. So, In California, as you know, the Chino Valley School District is being sued by the attorney general in that state because they are trying to change those trans-inclusive policies to be exclusionary, to out-trans students, out-LGBTQ plus students to their parents, which violates those children's rights of privacy. Because as we know, with the 4.2 million homeless children, of which 40% or more are LGBTQ plus, and so if we had parents who loved their children, regardless of how they identify, then we wouldn't have this high population of LGBTQ plus homeless youth because those kids would still be home. But we know that when children come out, when children are outed by parents who are intolerant, by parents who do not support LGBTQ plus people, by parents who are religious zealots, we have children who are homeless. And so a policy that outs children to their parents when parents are not supportive creates this dynamic where children are kicked out of their home and added to this homeless population. How are you protecting children? Parental rights only make sense when that ensures the protection, the actual protection of children, not this theoretical protection because a parent who doesn't know that their child out doesn't know for a reason. Nine times out of 10 doesn't know because that child is probably not going to be welcome in that home if they do. And we've had countless stories of trans people, of LGBTQ plus people who said, I didn't tell my parents because they wouldn't have accepted me. If I told my parents when I was younger, I'd have been kicked out of the house. It's like, how many stories do you need to have to know that these policies are not positive when you're outing students?
1: Yeah, Th- yeah. And this is where I say, like, we need more federal government to step in in these in this way more often i mean i know california is lucky in that they have you know a state that is willing to step in when these districts or these smaller municipalities step out of pocket but it's been detrimental to lgbtqia youth this political moment has will have ripple effects in ways that we don't even know yet yeah it's terrifying. And you're right, like houseless LGBTQIA youth are the most vulnerable. And honestly, like parents who kick their children out, like they there should be consequences. I agree. There should be consequences for parents who do this. I have a friend who, who works in social services with youth, and she says that often what she sees is parents will withhold identity documents so that they're If teenagers are within working age, can't get a job. Because if you don't have your identity documents, you can't get a job. The ways in which people abuse vulnerable youth is disgusting. And it's like the whole theme of our conversation. I mean, we just talked about all the ways in which people hurt kids. How do we make it better? I don't know.
0: This actually kind of brings us to another pivot point. This October will be the 25th anniversary of the murder of Matthew Shepard. For those who are not aware, Matthew Shepard was a 21-year-old gay white man who was brutally murdered for being gay and hung on a fence and left to die. He was found and he died six days later. That murder was kind of the catalyst for anti-hate legislation in this country. His parents, Judy and Dennis Shepard, started the Matthew Shepard Foundation. They sit on the board of the Trevor Project. Which is an organization that's dedicated to reducing suicidality and harm to children in this country. Matthew Shepard's death kind of punctuated what we're talking about today the hatred towards members of the LGBTQ plus community that results in their death. O'Shea Sibley was recently killed because he was joyful and dancing to music from beyonce's renaissance like this is what we're talking about we're talking about people harming others because of how they identify and how that's okay with people in this country it just boggles my mind 25 years later we're in a worse place there have been so many matthew shepherds there have been so many matthew shepherds today and we're no more tolerant in this country with these anti-hate statutes and legislations in different states at a federal level and state level than we were 25 years ago.
1: The first time I ever met Judy, I I told her, I don't know if I could carry forward in the way that you have.
0: Right. And when I see them, honestly, I still see that pain. I still see the pain etched in their faces. They're doing the good work. They're showing up. I don't don't think I could
1: that's a different kind of strength i mean i think i'd want to burn everything um i can't imagine that and and the ways in which they've been able to pass policy to try to curb the violence that lgbtqi people face to curb that you know panic defense that people try to give it it takes a it takes a different kind of of spirit to be able to carry forward. Cause I can't imagine, I can't imagine being, being able to do the same thing. I don't know if I could just thinking about it is like, you know, I don't know if I could.
0: I know that learning that story was probably what made me the most fearful for my child, like Mm -hmm. learning that particular story, because you're talking about people who were just like, Oh, you're gay, you die. Yeah. And, and
1: that, that Matthew Shepard had supportive parents, right. right? Like that didn't protect him. Right. At the same time, our kids don't have to be queer to be harmed. Yes. We're bipolar. So, yeah. And I just think that we have to do more as a society and I don't, I, it's a real big, it's a, it's a big ass, but we need more people to step in as allies. And I think that that's why I've been so proud of both of our children. We totally forgot to talk about this, but they're up for an LGBTQ Nation nomination for heroes of LGBTQ heroes of 2023. I think that's why I've been so proud of Daniel and Hobbs and like all these young people that are stepping forward because they're saying like, I'm going to be visible in spite of what all of you are saying. In a way that's thoughtful, that's empowering. I don't. I didn't have that as a 16, 17-year-old. I was too worried about what, what people were thinking about me. And I see them and I'm like, this world is better because of you. And the, the, our episode has gotten super heavy. And because we've been, you and I traveled down all the, like all the rabbit holes. All
0: the rabbit holes. And wonderful. I know if
1: our kids were on here, they would be like, it's fucked up. And... <laughs> have you seen Gen Z TikTok? Have you seen the ways that we're changing the world? Um, have you gone to K-pop Twitter? Like they, they are doing things in ways that that we did not challenge institutions, right? Like they are challenging institutions just through being, through the ways in which they share information And I think we, maybe we, this is when we, as the adults in the room, take note and learn from them. And I know that it feels heavy for them, but they're, they're like rock stars. I don't know. Daniel walked out of that meeting that I told you we had with, uh, that state representative staffer and Daniel's like, we got beef and I'm here for it. Like there's just a different spirit for how they want to exist in the world. Right. People need resources and their deep ties to their religion and and voting in a way that is concordant to that. Is that the right word for that? And so I was like in the shower and I was like, how can this be? Like, how can people vote against their own? Oh, because they've been told that they're not supposed to, that, that God will make it better. God will take care right. of them. And that like, they don't need to worry about what's happening on this earth so long as they're faithful to God. And and that is the lie, Yes. right? That is the lie is that we are here to take care of each other, to make sure that each other is cared for and has what they need. And so that our children are cared for mutual aid always,
0: always. Now it's time for our recurring segment. Allies and Assholes, where we highlight individuals or groups that are supporting the LGBTQIA community on the one hand and call out straight up assholes who are trying to move us all backwards on the other. Lisa, who are we talking about
1: today? Our ally of the week is Adam Rippin. Adam was on a reality game show, Stars on Mars with Lance Armstrong, and during the taping of one episode, Armstrong brought up his opinions on trans athletes, specifically stating that trans men and women should be their own categories. And Adam lit him up. Adam started by calling Armstrong the cheater that he was, stating how hypocritical it was for the serial cheater to be talking about fairness and competition. He went on to say that before trans people were excluded from sport, there needed to be more research on the subject, which could only happen if trans people were permitted to continue to participate.
0: I love the fact that this Olympic athlete approached this discussion with reason and logic and didn't give into the inflamed rhetoric and supposed common sense around trans athletes.
1: And this is why Adam Rippen is our ally of the week.
0: Okay, congratulations to Adam. Now on to our asshole of the week. Our asshole of the week is Nebraska Governor Jim Pillen. Governor Pillen has taken that state's anti-trans sentiment all the way out by defining men and women by their reproductive organs. Claiming that the legislation is meant to protect women-only spaces from men, the order lays out strict biological definition for the sexes, with female meaning a person whose biological reproductive system is designed to produce ova, and male as a person whose biological reproductive system is designed to fertilize an ova of a female.
1: Oh, man, there's so much to say on that. But this follows Nebraska's gender affirming care ban for trans youth, as well as the 12 week abortion ban in that state, further marginalizing and eroding the rights of trans people and women.
0: This is why Governor Jim Pillen is our asshole of the week.
1: Such an asshole.
0: Well, that's our show for today, folks. I'd like to thank my co-host, Lucette Trujillo, for proposing this special episode and bringing such energy, enthusiasm, and wisdom to our show.
1: Thanks, Steven. I love our conversations, too. I'm so glad we did a Hot Topics episode. And of course, we couldn't do this without all of you, our listeners. So thanks for listening to the Parent Advocate Podcast.
0: Folks, you know the drill. Please be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and do all the things to stay up to date with everything going on here at the Parent Advocate Podcast.
1: Bye! bye.
0: If you are thinking about harming yourself, get immediate support. Please reach out to The Trevor Project and connect to a crisis counselor 24-7, 365 days a year from anywhere in the United States. It's 100% confidential and 100% free. You can get help at thetrevorproject.org.